Yeah. So the other day we saw Kamala Harris trotting around in a bedazzled rainbow jacket, which um kind of hypocritical considering the fact that she really hasn't done uh, much in the way of like LGBT rights. In fact, like we're, we're going to get into this a little bit, but like some of her like policy decisions have like really negatively impacted trans folks. The United States has no right no desire and no intention to impose our form of government on anyone else. No democracy can survive when its public life, its public goods are so privatized and militarized and individualized. So you won't take down lies or you will take down lies? I think it's just a pretty simple yes or no. So we tell a handful of billionaires who become phenomenally richer, yeah, you're going to have to pay more taxes. Yeah, I mean, this is um, what you've got to do. I, as we know, it is it is Pride Month as of when we're recording this anyway. And this is the month, of course, when all of the um, big banks and defense contractors and um, other corporations who fund anti-trans politicians, this is when they change their logos and their profiles to show that they are standing in solidarity with the LGBTQ uh, community. That's right. Well, simultaneously, like being, you know, a large part of the like economic injustice that is largely impactful of a lot of LGBT people. Yeah, like it's really good that Raytheon um, decided to change its logo, even though it's a defense contractor that has the blood of millions of innocent lives on its hand on on its hands. Um, But nonetheless, here we are. And just to just to, you know, put all joking aside, you know, this is what this is what they do. This is what they do in order to actually do something that's noteworthy, you know. And right. I think we saw a lot of this like last summer, for example, during the Black Lives Matter protests. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, 100%. Let me let me, um, you know, post something online or, or make a statement or let you paint Black Lives Matter in the street so that I don't have to you know, do actual criminal justice reform, but I don't have to do, you know, actual substantive police reform. Mm -hmm. No policy change necessary. If you just simply paint black lives matter on a street or paint a street rainbow, it, it, it just, it counts the same. Yeah. And it's the same thing uh, for this. I think uh, governor Ron DeSantis of Florida and Keep your eye on this. Uh, keep your eyes on this guy because I'm pretty sure he sees 2024 in his crosshairs, and he's he's going to make a run for it. Okay. Um, but he celebrated the first day of Pride Month by oh banning trans girls from participating in high school sports. Oh yeah, I heard about that. And then With you've the, got um, our buddy uh, Ben Shapiro out here saying. Uh, no, actually, they just banned biological men from playing girls sports, which like we get it, Ben, like you don't like trans people like you really don't need to emphasize that anymore. Uh, uh, OK, let, let's say hypothetically <laughs> for, for the sake of, for, for the sake of the argument, you, you take a biological man and yeah, um, <laughs> he's yeah, I. There was this video too of him that resurfaced a, a couple of weeks ago. I saw it where he's on Dr. Drew and it's, it's like a panel. I don't, I don't know if you've seen the video. Some, some of our listeners Mm-mm. probably have. 
it's this video where he's on he's on Dr. Drew and he's on a panel and they're and they're talking about um I think they might be talking about actually this issue specifically or no I think they might have been talking about pronouns um and there was the a right trans hates pronouns so much oh I know <laughs> and, and like of all the things to get pissed off about it's like really that seriously um, but he's sitting right next to a trans woman and um like he purposely goes out of his way to say like oh what 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 are your pronouns or what are your genetics sir like he, he he keeps purposely referring to her as as sir that is vile and one of the one of the hilarious parts of that though is <laughs> she puts his hand on on his shoulder and she's like you cut that out now or you'll go home in an ambulance <laughs> <laughs> and he's Good. just like well that seems mildly um, inappropriate for a political discussion and it's like shut up like and, and what you were doing was appropriate it's right so exactly stylish, man no like, you're like a 30 that's... something year old man and you're like this is your level of of dialogue like this is oh, what the are hill genetics, that sir? you want to die on you know what i'm saying yeah, like but, but it is and it goes back to you know a conversation we were having a couple weeks ago where we talked about like you know there are actual issues facing this country and there are actual issues facing the lgbt community like the fact that um, there's higher proportions of homeless LGBT youth. They commit suicide at higher rates. Um, like there are still, you know, despite the fact that in 2015, obviously we legalized gay marriage, um, here in the United States, like, you know, even speaking about our nation alone, let alone like all of the horrible things that, um, gay people, trans people undergo in other countries. Like th- there is still a lot of room for progress um, in the U.S. And like I think that like for someone with a platform the size of Ben Shapiro's to like go out of their way to misgender someone is like just extremely reactionary. And I think like it it really takes away from the conversations that we should be having about the rights of LGBT people. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I really think like this is all the right has at this point because, you know, they're not offering people anything from an economic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, I mean, we can go back to the American rescue plan. Not a single Republican voted for that bill. And I think I can't remember what the exact percentage is, but it's over 50% of, of Republicans actually supported that bill like on its merits of like the policies and the protections that were that that were in it not a single republican voted for it and you had republican members of congress going back to their districts after it passed with all democrat all democratic votes and it was signed into law by joe biden bragging about it bragging about oh don't you like this part of the american rescue plan that you're now benefiting from don't you like this um you know small small business provision that you're benefiting from um when not a single republican voted for it um but that's the thing, like they're not going to do anything to actually material imp- materially improve people's lives. They're not going to do anything from an economic standpoint. So their trick is, oh, let me um, let me pretend, let me make you think, you know, Republican voter, that since I agree with you on pronouns or since I agree with you on bathrooms or, or whatever, whatever wedge issue, issue you want to pick, that means I also agree with you when it comes to economics or when it comes to healthcare or when it comes to any right. of these other things where, where, where they do not agree with you on. 
And I think what the left needs to do, I think what we need to do as people on the left is, is a better job of, of pointing things like that out, of, of showing like Republican voters like, no, these people are not with you. I don't care yeah. what they say about pronouns or bathrooms or whatever. Like they're not with you. I think that's absolutely a piece of it. Like like you're saying, um, I think. You know, I mean, how many times do we have to cite on the show how many people are in support of what I will say are progressive policies, but they're pretty mainstream. You know, we're talking about universal health care. We're talking about, um, you know, in general, like a, a higher minimum wage, like a lot of people who vote Republican are oftentimes uh, low income. And I think that they are doing the electoral bidding of their higher income counterparts. And when I say higher income, like, I mean, like, you know, billionaires, like owners of corporations, like those, the people who actually benefit from Republican policies. Um, And I want to like, also point out the fact that I, I think what it does when we get involved in, you know, what I will refer to here as like cultural war stuff. And what I mean by that is like to distinguish from economic, um, like you're saying, like more material policies. I think that when we get involved in uh, feminism or LGBT issues that appear surface level, like I'm not talking about, you know, like the death rates of trans sex workers or LGBT people's right to health care. Like I, I solely mean like pronouns and again, like what I am going to refer to here as more surface level issues for the LGBT community. I think what Republicans and what the right does is they try to capitalize on people's confusion because these terms like, you know, I mean, pronoun like in this context um you know bisexual transgender rather than like some of the more outdated terms um you know like this understanding of like sex versus gender like i think that those things are all new to like the broader culture i mean like you know transgender activists have been around for like you know decades but i think that they're now starting to become more in the public eye. And I think that there are a lot of people, older people and even younger people who are confused by it. And another thing I just want to mention is that I think one of the other problems that the left has uh, is that when people misgender or when people, um, you know, misuse certain words or just are confused and are coming from a place of ignorance, There are people on the left who will attack them. And I think that what you get when you have that type of reaction is extremely reactionary right wing people who become radicalized because, you know, some social justice warrior gave me a hard time because I said, you know, transsexual instead of transgender. And I think that we need to stop doing that. I think that we need to come from a place of compassion And, you know, admittedly, I'm saying this as like a like, you know, cisgender individual, but I think that we we definitely need to to come from a place of like trying to like gently educate rather than attack. Yeah, um, I mean, I I could definitely like see where that anger would come from, you know, like if I was someone directly impacted by that, 
But at the same time, and you and you and I have talked about this before, like from a political standpoint, you know, in the political world, when you're trying to get something done or change hearts and minds, like there's a there's a way you have to do that. Absolutely. Getting in people's face and badgering them over something they might not be informed about because they only listen to Steven Crowder and Ben Shapiro. Um, Oh, yeah. Steven Crowder is the best. That guy Um, is a piece of work. And that's putting yeah. it nicely. We could, um, yeah, we could do a whole segment on him. Um, <laughs> do we have to? <laughs> but, 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 no, we we I, we won't. I won't put you through that. Um, but that's the thing. Like, they might not under. They might. They might have never heard the term. So, so I do think that we we do need to educate. And you know, I mean, there's a ton of research that's been published that shows, like, for people who, like, people who go down the QAnon rabbit hole, people who go oh, yeah. down right wing rabbit holes. Like the the biggest thing that gets people out of that, that like de-radicalizes people, gets them out of that hole is when you are empathetic with them and yep. you're coming from a place of compassion. Mm-hmm. Like because it, nobody likes to, especially when you're like someone who's like invested in QAnon. Like nobody likes to be told, oh, you're wrong and this is why you're wrong and this is what you need to do instead. Um, and I remember when I, like when I was phone banking for Bernie, one of the things I would always do when I would call Trump supporters, um, is I would say like, Hey, here are a few things that Trump said on the campaign trail about ending war and about providing everyone healthcare at a fraction of the cost and about, you know, getting tough on wall street and and being for the people. Like, like I, I agree with those things too, man. Um, however, unfortunately, if I thought he would have followed through on those promises, yeah. And, and, you know, and that doesn't mean you, you give in to, you know, some of the racist or fascist elements of Trump, but you, no. you, you make an appeal on, on something where you can make an appeal. All right. And then you use that to sort of, you know, bring them in or, or convince them. And that just shows them that you're coming from a place of reason and you're not here to, you know, ha- just have an argument. You're actually here to to try to to convince them and to right you want to level with them right 100 so, so yeah so i think that's a big part of it yeah absolutely um but i think like you know it's it's irritating to me because we get so caught up in you know arguing for basic respect of trans people and what i mean by that is you know using the pronouns that they I was going to say that they prefer, but I guess a more accurate way to put it would be like using their pronouns, basically Um, the pronouns that they want to be called by or calling them by like the name that they want to be called by. Like that is just basic, like kindness, respect, human decency. And I think, you know, there we're so caught up in that, like we can't even come to a common ground on, you know, treat people how they want to be treated. You know, we learned this in kindergarten. Um, that we can't even get to some of the more drastic impacts of transphobia and of homophobia that the LGBT community faces. I mean, we were talking about Kamala Harris earlier, and um, obviously during the campaign, a lot of us on the far left were really upset with the nomination of Kamala because she's a cop. And I think like 
you know, what, what we really meant by that was, you know, she was a former prosecutor. She put like tons of people in jail, but what doesn't, um, or prison rather, but I think like what doesn't get mentioned. And I actually had to look this up earlier is the fact that she, you know, went to, I believe it was a Supreme court case, um, over refusing an inmate gender affirming surgery. And, you know, you can look this case up. I'll link it in the description, but, um, you know, this, this individual had like a pre-existing like gender dysphoria, like, you know, suffering wildly and in prison. And like, they refused to provide them with this surgery or her with the surgery, excuse me. Um, and like Kamala like fought on it and she, you know, had some like flaky press statement that was like, essentially like, oh, you know, we really need to learn more about trans people. And it's like, I, I think like yeah. it was very clear what the <laughs> right choice in this situation was. And she did not make it. And I think like, it's also important to note that there is a high, high percentage of trans people that were imprisoned by Kamala. And I'm not, you know, saying necessarily that like she sought them out, but I'm saying like, you know, that is something that you cannot just look at and ignore. Like, I, I don't think that the reason for that is because trans people commit more crimes like that is, right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause I know. Yeah. Cause I know, I know that the argument the right makes all the time for like why black people um, are in prison at a higher rate than whites, the, despite being 12% of the population is they, Oh, well, or they exactly. get killed by the cops at a, at a three times the rate that, that uh, white people do. Oh, they commit more crimes. Right. It's like, well, hold on a minute. First of all, <laughs> Pump that's, the not justification, there. <laughs> that, that's not justification for being killed or, or even getting locked up. Absolutely. Um, necessarily. But why are they committing the crimes? You know, exactly. What socioeconomic um, factors that in many cases they've been placed into by white people, by the segregation policies that mm -hmm. still, yes, have ramifications to this day. What kind of equanimities exist in the criminal justice system? Or when we look at the fact that black individuals um, have a much higher likelihood of having a mandatory minimum attached to their sentence when they do the exact same crime, they control for all other variables, they do the exact same crime um, as a white individual. Right. So like the, these things exist. And, you know, I'm not sure about the specifics in, in the trans uh, community, but that is that is. I think problematic, especially when you consider the fact that she is a Democrat. She's a very high profile person, obviously the second yeah. highest in the um, what is supposedly the left wing party. And she's somebody who fought um, for this inmate not to receive gender affirming care. And, and it's the, this one's interesting because I don't know what financial incentives, if any, are, are at play there because like we often talk about how like oh you know m maybe the reason why she fought for california's three strikes law was because you know she had taken money from these private prisons and then it's like okay right. you, you can make a connection there um i don't know what financial incentives are there for not providing inmates gender affirming care I, is it possible that it is just prejudice yeah and that's the thing it's like like if that exists like, I don't want her representing the Democratic Party.
No, absolutely. And, you know, to the point that you made earlier regarding, um, you know, a higher rate of crime for coming from people living in poverty, the same can be said for trans individuals. And what I will say about that is that I think the transgender community is often the victims or they are often victims of sexual objectification. And as a result, you see very high rates of trans people doing sex work. Um, And in California, I forget the year, I will also link this in the description, but in uh, San Francisco, they had done a ton of research and they were ready to pass this law that would decriminalize prostitution. And that's not to say that it would, you know, make it completely legal, but to decriminalize it, which I think numerous studies have illustrated that that would make it safer for sex workers. And like, you know, just an aside, I will briefly say that I I still do believe sex work to be exploitative. Um, That being said, there are also a lot of forms of work that are exploitative. I mean, McDonald's, for example, but um, I'm I'm not arguing that like sex work is like uh, completely like you know, we should totally legalize it. That is not my personal opinion, but I do think that, you know, there's a lot of evidence that it makes it safer for women and for trans uh, people who do sex work if it is decriminalized. And she made a statement saying, well, this would basically like lay out the red carpet for pimps to come to San Francisco. And I just think like, Mm. not only is that like incredibly, um, like misguided i think like you know like taking away the the lens that it is insensitive and um hurtful to the lgbt community um obviously particularly the trans community i think like it's disturbing to me that she was willing to completely ignore all of the research on the subject and actually look at the facts and it kind of almost looks like to me that she let her own again prejudice get in the way of research and facts regarding the safety of sex work and what would make the citizens of San Francisco in effect safer. Yeah. Like it's, it's going to bring pimps to San Francisco. Like, like that statement in and of itself, it's, it's like, you can tell it's just very loaded and it's sad. Like, like, I mean, I, I can think of a million examples of like, when people have said things like it's also very elitist you know like yes. i remember donald donald trump was being interviewed by tucker carlson once and they were talking what a about a fun group of people i'd like to have oh, a beer oh, with I those know. two <laughs> <laughs> i know what a, what a great interview to watch tucker carlson and donald j trump but they were talking about you know the poverty in democrat-run cities um and they were talking about new york and Donald Trump's like, oh, yeah, it's just, you know, when, when you see like the homeless people, it's just you feel so bad for the um, um, for the people who walk, work in uh, skyscrapers who have to walk past these people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I remember that. Like, oh, no, no, we don't. We don't feel bad for the uh, for the people who are homeless on the side where we feel bad for the people who have to see them. Right. Almost like, as if they're it, just like props. Yeah. And and it really and is dehumanizing. Yeah. And the thing is, like, he doesn't even I don't I don't think in that interview, I don't think he even like realizes it. He's just like, 
shooting from the hip and like, oh yeah, isn't it so sad that people have to see these homeless people? Right, 100%. And it really shows his true colors, haha, pun intended, um, in the same way that Kamala Harris did when she, you know, made that statement about pimps. Like it, it it's not factually correct. It isn't um not based you know, on the evidence. Right, exactly. And it, it just comes down to like this idea that like you know these preconceived notions that people have that sex work is unclean and that it's immoral and um that it tends to be 100% male benefiting which you know if we look at the statistics those things are just not true and for her to take a piece of very progressive legislation i mean admittedly for san francisco it it um you know, it's not, I wouldn't say it's to be expected, but San Francisco is obviously a very like uh, progressive area, but that would have been a step in the right direction. And for her to, you know, advocate against it so harshly is really disturbing that she would have like such an outdated position that she would be willing to push. Yeah. it, It kind of reminds me, I think this is when she was running for Senate, but the point was like, she, she was asked about, um, her position on legalizing marijuana and she was um and she was okay so she got into the senate in 2017 um huh all right i'm not sure exactly when this was i know it was in 2014 though she was asked about um legalizing marijuana and she like laughed it off and said, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> or, or what are you, are you kidding me and then went on some show when she was running for vice president or or maybe this was during the primary and like joked about how she uh how she smoked marijuana when she was in high school and um how she listened to tupac and biggie when she was in college or i think it was college and then some people looked up like the years that she was in college and it was like before tupac and biggie were even a thing and it's like it, like did she think first of all did she think that no one was gonna notice that like yeah that's the thing like <laughs> People it really goes to show like, like what you think about the American people and their intelligence. Yeah. You can tell that a lot based on how politicians speaks too. Yeah. Like, yeah. But going back to what you said earlier about how like we need to get past just like talking about these issues from a peripheral standpoint and get more into like, what do we actually do about them? Mm-hmm. like it, it reminds me of the climate change debate how like mm. even still to this day like cnn will bring on a climatologist and then like a you know fundamentalist christian who doesn't believe in climate change right and you know thinks that the rapture is coming to try and the next few years quote unquote present both sides it, exactly and it's like no here's an issue where like like we've moved past that debate like climate change is happening it is anthropogenic. You can have a, a, a debate about what to do about it. But in terms of like if this thing actually exists or not, like we're past that. Yeah, I feel like we were debating that like in 2010, like, yeah, literally like, like that was I, a topic of conversation. Like, do you believe in climate change? And like now I think I just think it's been proven time and time again to be real like and i even like i can't even say that without laughing because yeah i I remember well i I don't know if i'll bring this up but what were you gonna say i was just gonna say like it's it's completely 
I wonder what, you know, CNN's motivations would be to try and present that issue as though it were truly two-sided. Well, look at who funds them. Right. Uh-huh. Wow. It always so, seems to come back to that, media. doesn't it, Nick? Right. Follow follow the money. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, that's the slogan. Yes, um, that is like the official nothing left podcast slogan, to be honest. Follow with the you. money. Yeah, because like right. that's, you know, and it keeps coming back to that. And to make it a very general statement, like it's just frustrating because I feel like if more people like if more voters were aware of the amount of corporate funding that went into people like Kamala Harris, like the private prisons that fund her, there would be massive outrage. And yeah. And oh, keep going. Well, I just think like I, I think that there are a lot of Americans that are aware of it, but they just feel like they don't know what to do. And obviously there was great support for Bernie, but this partisan divide, I think really comes in. And like you were saying, like, you know, we have to be on the right track and we have to be leveling with conservatives. Um, But I, I think that this partisan divide has blinded us from the real problem, which is the corporatocracy. Yeah. um, There's definitely a lot of outrage, but, and, and I would say that like, a lot of people get that at least at a surface level, but they're having a hard time connecting, connecting the dots or being really super specific. Right. Cause like we talked about this after we covered the Capitol riot, how there were people there who were like, Oh yeah, all the politicians, they're bought and owned by the Marxists. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like you were, you were so almost close. there. You had us in yeah. the first half, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, but that's the thing like that, that person did. You know, and but, you know, yes, they are bought known, but they're not bought known by the Marxists. They're bought known by Wall Street. The Marxists don't have any money. Exactly. (laughs) Like nobody, nobody is funding this podcast. (laughs) Um, Like we don't have a studio or set. Obviously. Not yet. So like, like that's the thing. And I feel like if you could, again, like give a crumb to that person and say like, yes, they are, are bought known, but here are the funders. Here, here is how the corruption takes place. Here is how politicians develop an opinion about a position based on who they've taken money from. All right. right. When Joe Manchin comes out against the $15 minimum wage, it's not because, well, I'm a West Virginian conser- you know, conservative Democrat. So I'm, you know, I got to be more conservative. It's like over 50% of people in West Virginia support a $15 minimum wage. Okay. So you're not representing the conservatives of West Virginia. You're representing um, yourself and your donors who stem to lose out if we pass a $15 minimum wage. So exactly. Yeah. And and it always seems to come back to that. And it's just so to me, it, it really agitates me because we think about like what we learn in school and the way that the government is supposed to work and like how how hard our founding fathers worked on the three branches to make sure. But they, you know, they never considered this Ducks fourth branch. Yes. This like fourth branch that we have now of corporations. Um, and it, it, it's just really sad because, you know, kind of like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, like 
all these corporations with their rainbow social media icons will simultaneously donate to anti-trans, anti-gay causes. And yeah. or, we're or just supposed to some of the anti-trans. Yeah. Or they'll support, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but no, go ahead. Or they'll support, you know, like the anti, I mean, all there's all of those anti-trans bills that are passing in many States. They'll Absolutely. support politicians who are writing those bills. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think ultimately it's just, it's a sad state of affairs. And I, I would say that, you know, unfortunately, again, the solution is going to have to come back to this corporate element. However, um, I will expand on that because I know that, you know, here on nothing left, that's, that's a common thread. Like it, it really does impact so much. It's, it's like a very wide web, um, that these corporations cast. But I will also say that I think part of the issue when it comes to LGBT awareness is cultural. And I think that part of that has to do with, you know, there is hope because we do have the opportunity to impact change from the ground up. And what I mean by that is like through conversations with our, you know, family members who might not understand, um, you know, what a transgender person is, um, you know, through just, I think like, even I'll say like going as far as to live and be your authentic self and to show people, you know, this is what a gay person looks like. This is what a like pansexual is. Like, I, I actually think that that, you know, and not to sound like corny or anything, but I, I do think that that has an impact because if people are like, oh, you know, like that's my buddy, Sam, like he's a great guy. Oh, he's gay. Like, right. you know, there, there's got to be a hope there that that will help change some hearts and minds. Yeah, because you do see it even even among Republican politicians, like their mind has changed when, you know, they have a son or daughter who's gay or they yeah. have a son or daughter who's who's trans. Um, there's a guy in Kansas who, you know, wasn't a politician, but he was he was relatively conservative who his um. He had a trans um, daughter and he and his wife apparently fought it for a long, long time. And, you know, their kid was very unhappy. They didn't have any friends. They didn't enjoy life once they actually allowed um, their daughter to embrace that part of her. You know, she turned out to be a super well-rounded kid. Yeah. And the bill that was being proposed in that state, it might have already passed by now, would have prevented her from participating in school sports basically and he was yeah. like hey don't take this thing away from my daughter but yeah i think um i i think it, it is a culture war to, to an extent but like like that's the thing about progress and you know moving forward is you're always changing the culture you're changing yep. social elements of things you know women didn't always have the right to vote and it took like 40 years to finally get it but they got it and it wouldn't have happened without a lot of progressives fighting for it. Same thing with um, civil rights, same thing with gay rights. And it'll be the same thing with, um, with trans rights and making sure that their dignity and their respect as human beings is, is, is recognized and respected. Absolutely. Well, I guess there's nothing left. <laughs>